Well, welcome to The Raw Roast, where we have real conversation about faith and life over a good cup of coffee. My name is Ben Tyvel, and I'm your host for this week, and today I'm excited to welcome uh, two of my friends and colleagues. Uh, we've got Tucker Anderson, uh, who is our uh, Roseville campus pastor, and we have Stephen Anderson, who is our young adult pastor. Can I, I can say that. I can't officially say that. Well, okay. Our, he is our soon-to-be young adults pastor. He directs our young adults ministry uh, called Kairos. And so I'm. this is uh, going to be fun to spend some time together. And uh, Tucker, you had the privilege of uh, preaching this week, the privilege and responsibility of preaching this week. And you preached from Luke chapter 22 and... There are there are a few things I remember about your sermon, which is that's a that's, that's good. A good. Usually Mondays I can't remember my yeah. main point, so yeah. Um, you had part of your big idea was talking about uh, this reality of an upside down kingdom that the kingdom of God looks much different than the kingdoms of of this world, and part of that I think you're trying to make this point that following the way of Jesus requires things. Uh, things that we don't, that aren't necessarily fun or things that, again, don't look like the world. Um, but uh, to follow the way of Jesus is uh, to be a servant, uh, to, I, I think suffering is something that, uh, again, not a, a fun topic, but something that is a part of what it looks like to follow Jesus and, all, and humility. Uh, one of the main takeaways that you had in your sermon that really hit home for me, just personally, was you talked about you talked about when following the way of Jesus. It often means that we risk our, our reputations, and that was the way that it hit me was in the context of when I when I think about the relationships I have in the context outside of my Christian community with people who don't yet know Jesus. The reality that God often calls us into these spaces and into conversations where when we live for Jesus, when we share the gospel, whether in action or in speech, because of its counter kind of cultural nature, it may oftentimes mean that we lose a certain sense of reputation with with those people. Mm-hmm. And that, re- that really hit home for me because I, I always try to balance this. I, I want to love my neighbor in a way that's attractive. Like I, I want to keep that relationship strong and and yet recognizing that at some point when i make a stand for what i believe in this upside down kingdom of christ that it may not sit well with them and there may be a loss of mm-hmm. reputation uh, from my end but anyway just some reflections but i i want to pass it over to you and uh what what was it like prepping um what else would you like to share kind of around that theme well, this might be too much information, but uh, I, I really. Um, so you mentioned like the privilege and you know honor it is to present responsibility. The, God, the responsibility it is to present the word of God, and I get nervous before I get up there. So you'll always find me wearing a dark sweater or <laughs> a suit jacket because I've, Why is that, I've stood up before and. You know, I'm wearing a, a lighter colored shirt, and you'll see large circles <laughs> under my arms. So, if you're listening, perspiration. To this, 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> so all right. If you're listening to this, you're getting a little inside scoop into my <laughs> my uh, what, why I wear what I wear. The method. <laughs> but part of it is, I you know, the, I, it is such a great responsibility when we stand up and present the scriptures because my hope is that I'm presenting them accurately and that someone is after they after they after they hear the message that they are understanding the passage correctly but not only understanding it correctly knowing how how can they apply it to their lives so this particular passage was um, in some ways a challenge because you know I've lived a I've lived in a pretty comfortable environment growing up and so I feel like this one really hit me in a real personal way because here Jesus is is calling us, like I mentioned in the message, you know, to take the lowest seat, take take a seat at the kids' table, as I referred to it. And um, I, I don't feel like I, I I feel like that's really a challenge to me as I look at this passage. So that was, yeah, this one hit me as I was working on this message. And if you if you watched or if you were um, there in person, I showed a video of some of our ministry partners in Ukraine, um, and a long line of traffic of cars fleeing a major Ukrainian city, you know, fleeing destruction, and our ministry partners are literally heading into harm's way in order to take care of the needs of those there. And what a great example, and uh, really a humbling video for me, and um, I'm, I'm hoping those um, who are there as well, and uh, if you haven't seen it yet, I'd encourage you to watch the message and if you want to fast forward it to the very end, just to look at the video, I would encourage you to do that. So, um, I forgot your original question. What was it like preparing? Yeah, just talking about yeah. the preparation and or if there were other you anything met, else you, you wanted met, to You mentioned the on. risk reputation. So, I, I think it's a little bit, I mean, it's in some ways obvious that we risk our reputations with those in our surrounding culture. Um, but maybe one that's less obvious, one that I highlighted, is we risk our reputation maybe even from those within the church. Um, and the question that I tend to ask myself is, am I willing to be accused of the same things Jesus was accused of, you know, being a friend of tax collectors and sinners? And if I'm honest, that's, I don't always want to be accused of that. I don't want to be lumped in um, with that. And so, but I think, it's a, I think it's a real challenge to... Uh, to those of us who fo- call ourselves followers of Jesus. Have you experienced that uh, along the way where you either you actually have been accused of that or you've seen that take place in the church? I mean, you did reference it specifically, yeah. uh, and I, I certainly resonated with that on, on a certain level, but yeah, where did that, why did that end up being an example that kind of, you know, came, came came to the top yeah. of your mind and you decided to include it. I'm a little embarrassed to say that I have to go back to high school to think of some specific examples of where, so I went to, I mean, I went to Bethel. I went to, you know, I've, I feel like in some ways I've been in this bubble. And in many ways, I feel like my time, and maybe Stephen, you want to comment a little bit on this since you didn't go to a Christian college. Um, but I, in many ways, I felt like my faith grew significantly in high school because you couldn't just you it's it's easy to coast when you're in a bubble and in many ways i felt like my faith grew a lot in high school but i remember there were moments where you know i was as i was trying to um 
befriend those and just form relationships with those who didn't consider themselves Jesus followers that, you know, people are wondering why are you, you know, be careful that you, why are you hanging out with these people? And mm-hmm. I can remember some specific instances. And so I think that's what I was kind of, and that's what I was going back to. I wish I had some more present day, mm-hmm. you know, examples of that. Mm-hmm. And Stephen, what are your thoughts since you've, I mean, you, you became a Jesus follower in college and right. um, talk a little bit about maybe your experience with that. Yeah, I was going to say it was, it was interesting to kind of send this question my way, thinking about risk versus reputation. And, you know, in a college context, um, you know, obviously that's why I work with college students and, and young adults. Um, but also, you know, when I started my college career, I, I wasn't following Jesus. And so that risk and reputation wasn't something that I needed to worry about because I wasn't willing to, to risk, any, risk anything for Jesus. I wasn't even following him. And yet there were people in my life who I came to be friends with who, you know, business major, mm-hmm. um, just starting school, he was a junior, I was a freshman, and he was a Christ follower. And he was willing to risk his reputation, uh, right? Like, nobody really wants to hang out with a freshman on a college campus, and yet he was doing it. He was giving me rides places. He was getting dinner with me, Um and you know, willing to to be bold and mm-hmm. to ask questions and and to walk through difficult stuff in life with me. Um, and so, really, what I got to experience was uh, on the other side, the receiving end of when somebody is willing to risk their reputation for Jesus. I mean, that was an introduction to me to the gospel, right? Yeah. That opened the door for that um, and changed the trajectory of my life. So. Um, so I'd say, yeah, I mean, it's tough. I recognize now that that's not an easy thing to do. And yet this guy who did it for me changed my life. Well, we, so we've got, there's lots of different examples in scripture where, you know, Jesus, uh, in the way that he lives, the choices that he makes, uh, you know, as far as who he hangs out with, uh, he's hanging out with all different kinds of people, but then we get, uh, we're able to see what he chooses to speak into or what he chooses to say in those different contexts. Uh, so things like in, you know, in Mark and, and also in Luke and maybe in the other gospels as well, but where he talks about it's, it's not the healthy who I've come for ultimately who need a doctor. It's the sick, you know, it's kind of this, he, he's coming back at the religious leaders saying, I, mm-hmm. the reason I'm hanging out with these folks is, well, one, they're, they're willing and ready to receive it. Like their hearts are actually in a better spot to be ready to receive, receive me and the, the kingdom that I'm bringing. But uh, it's, they're also, you know, he's, so there's this calling out that he's doing, you know, of the religious leaders. Uh, and he's also kind of lifting up this reality that uh, one of the, one of the ways that we're called or, or like, what we are called to in following Jesus is to take this position of surrender and recognizing that we're, we are sick and in need of a doctor. We, we need Jesus. We need what he brings. Uh, but another, another spot in, in Philippians where, you know, Paul's writing to the Philippians and he's, I mean, he's talking about um, and giving us an example. Uh, I would say kind of one of the ultimate examples that we have of uh, him describing how Jesus came, who you know, kind of who he was, what he gave up, kind of what his posture was uh, in in coming, and 
so that we find that in chapter two, but um, maybe to transition into that, if you have thoughts around kind of that specific passage, but also just in general. So let's go to Philippians chapter two. So if you look at Philippians chapter two and you look at verses one to four, you'll notice there's this focus on on community. I mean, he he tells he tells the believers, you know, don't do anything out of selfish ambition. Verse three, mm-hmm. or consider consider others as more important than yourselves. Not that our interests go away altogether, but it's how are our interests related to the interests of the community? Because we're part of the community too. Verse four, everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And then in verses five through 11, he sets out, he gives us the the ultimate uh, model of mm-hmm. Christ who, I mean, uh, verse six, you know, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be, uh, this translation here, uh, the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible says, exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of servant. You know, and then he continues on. But then you look at verses 12 to 18, and it's about how does the gospel then of what Christ has done, verses 5 through 11, transform the way that we live in the world. So this is, Therefore, my dear friends, just as you've always obeyed, um, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who's at work within you. Verse 15, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless. So it begins with community, looks to Christ. Um, Not just as an example, I think the danger, we don't want to just turn Jesus' ministry into an example to follow. Um, Because he, I mean, the gospel is good news because it's something Jesus has accomplished for us, um, which then empowers us for transform life, which he describes in verses 12 to 18. So that's how I read this chapter two and just kind of the flow of thought that Paul has here. Um, so I don't know if either one of you have thoughts. I mean, Stephen, you're in the middle of a ordination process right now with um, an ordination council on the near horizon. Um, how do you, I mean, how do you understand Philippians chapter two if... Um, what does this mean that you know Christ empties? It doesn't consider equality with God something to be gra- exploited or grasped, and He empties Himself. What? How do you understand that passage? Yeah, I think you do a good job, kind of starting off saying, "Hey, this isn't you know, well, Jesus is an example that we should sh- we should strive <clears throat> to live in the way of Jesus." But that is not the gospel message that we can we can live up to that, right? Mm-hmm. We can never live up to the way that that. We can never live the way Jesus did, um, but we strive to do that, right? Um, and it's and even that striving isn't what what leads to salvation for us. Um, but I think we see here, right? Jesus modeling this way of life that um, I mean, he gave himself up, right? He was willing to die. Um, and sometimes I think one of a, a buzzword that we have nowadays is kind of servant leadership. And Mark McCloskey, who's who's a part of our church, will um, he? I had him as a seminary professor, and one of the things that he argued was that Jesus didn't model servant leadership because he went beyond that. And the death of the cross, you know, social status, servants were pretty low, but they even lower than that were were criminals. Um, and so. Jesus died a criminal's death on the cross and was willing to uh, willing to give himself completely 
um, to to completely humble himself to that level. Um, so I think that's a that's an that's a, a a powerful thing that we need to that we need to think about. Um, you know, not. I don't know that we all need to die a criminal's death um, by any means, um, but I was as we're as we're talking here, I was thinking a, a little bit. I was thinking about the illustration of that you shared in the video, and I just loved that video um, of the the partners in Ukraine driving and just doing this incredible deed that is just. I mean, it's life changing. It's transformative, um, and I was thinking a little bit about this. Actually, it's 21 Pilots song. And so I, I pulled up the lyrics here. It's from their song, Ride. Um, but it says, I die for you. That's easy to say. We have a list of people. We would take a bullet for them. And then he goes on to say, but I don't see many bullets coming through. You can just to say, metaphorically, I'm the man, but literally, I don't know what I do. And I think that sometimes we can take passages like this where we see Jesus acting in this incredibly, like we, we seem described as being humble and willing mm-hmm. to go so far and beyond. And we'd say, yeah, I'd be willing to do something great like that as well. But we forget about this, the daily application to our lives, where we can allow our accolades or our position within a company at work or something like that, or our social status in a friend group to become more important to us than the mm-hmm. gospel. Um, and I think that's just really captured really well in that song. That's why I wanted to, to share that. But I mean, I think we have to really think about daily challenge to say, hey, I, I, I may have been given this accolade. I may have done this, but that doesn't, doesn't mean I've earned anything. I'm better than anybody or anything like that. That's really good, Stephen. Ben, what are, I mean, what are your thoughts on this passage? certainly i think again a model of this reality of an upside down kingdom that what we are called to live lives of humility we are lived we're we're, call, we're called to live uh lives where we're serving others that we're coming underneath others and that ultimately is uh that's the place where then god says this is my greatest place of blessing for you i i will exalt you in, in these these places. Uh, you know, humility, humility and like honor in so many different places in scripture are kind of held up together. And again, like we're saying, this is sort of the ultimate example that we have of these two things going hand in hand. Jesus taking that um, most profound step of humility becoming in the likeness of, of men, you know, being born into the likeness of men and dying that criminal's death, but then all, being, being exalted and being honored in the, uh, on the highest level. And so it's not that we pursue servant living or pursue humility so that we can get exalted, but again, it's just this reality that this is our, this is our call as Jesus followers to live as servants and again, our um, you know our greatest reward isn't isn't even here in this life. It's not the things that the world promises, you know, of power and position or prestige or uh, you know or money or things like that. It's uh, our greatest reward is to be with Jesus someday, you know, for eternity. So I don't know. That's some jumbled thought, but. I was in, I had a so I was I had a seminar on the Gospel of John and I think I'm going to get I think I'm going to get this 
at least close to being accurate, I hope. But if you look at Isaiah, and this is kind of commenting on what both of you have said, if you look at Isaiah chapter 6, we come to this passage, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, um, some translations say, high and lifted up, or seated high and lofty on a throne, this one says, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. So we get this wonderful picture of the throne room. The only other time we have that phrase, high and lifted up, in Isaiah has to do with the suffering servant. In Isaiah 52, 13, see my servant will be successful. He will be raised and lifted up and mm. greatly exalted. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on and talks about the suffering of this servant. And then you come to the Gospel of John, and what does Jesus say? Um, uh, John 12, 31, now is the judgment of the world and the ruler of this world to be cast out as for me, if I am lifted up from the earth, then I will draw all people to myself. And one of the themes that we see in John is that it's actually Jesus' crucifixion and then his, his burial, resurrection, and ascension, which is his enthronement, tying together that suffering servant theme and that Isaiah 6 throne room theme, bringing them together. And um, it speaks to this idea of this the upside down nature of this kingdom that at the center of this kingdom is ironically a cross and this is why Jesus calls us as his followers to pick up that cross well if we if you move forward a little bit further in Philippians to chapter 3 you know verse 10 where Paul's he's talking about you know giving up essentially suffering loss giving up all things right in order that he might gain Christ be found in him not have a righteousness of his own that's based on the law. Uh, but in verse 10, he says, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that if it possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So that seems to follow that same mm-hmm. pattern, right? That, I mean, Paul's understanding this. He's, he's uh, uh, yeah, he understands that the path toward uh, experiencing fullness in Christ is to share share in his suffering and that i don't know i want to put that out there what is that an expectation it, do we feel like that is uh, a true um yeah is that on the path toward if we however we would say that kind of fullness in christ or or going deeper in you know kind of in in this relationship with jesus it does that path in a sense require suffering that's a question. <laughs> it seems like Paul's saying that, but what are, what are your, what's your guys' interpretation of what Paul's trying to say here and do? Stephen's, Stephen's pointing at me, but <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, um, I'll point back at you. What do you think, Stephen? <laughs> you got three fingers pointing <laughs> you back at yourself. <laughs> well, I just figured Tucker's going to have a real profound answer yeah. for that. So. He's going to go back into the Old Testament. He's going to, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, Paul talks about suffering a ton throughout scripture, um, and he's not the only one in the New Testament to talk about it either. I think about Peter, um, you know, first and second Peter, he's talking about, yeah, expect suffering, right? He's writing to a persecuted church and, you know, this suffering is, and Ben, you maybe even kind of hinted at this, uh, or Tucker, um, but, you know, we can live pretty comfy lives as Christians in America, um, uh, 
some of us, right? Uh, not to say that no Christian ever experiences suffering, but we can choose to live our life in a way that minimizes suffering. And uh, I mean, that's in some ways what the world and marketing tells us. Avoid suffering, do this thing for your immediate gratification and pleasure and mm-hmm. whatever else. And and like the gospel message is something so much different. It's expect that you're going to suffer for this. And I think what that does is if we're willing to suffer for something greater than ourselves, it's a reminder of how great the gospel is, right? That we're, we're not willing to suffer for, you know, it's not just suffering for ourselves, but it's suffering for, uh, uh, for others, right? Taking, taking part in, in their mm-hmm. suffering and coming alongside them um, and suffering for just this, this sense of something bigger, this, this gospel, the, the, the kingdom of God. That's a great word, Stephen. I think you're absolutely right that it speaks to the it speaks to the truth of the gospel, especially as you think of like these early believers that they were willing to. I mean, you have a, someone like Peter who denied Jesus in the presence of a middle school aged girl, mm. and then later he's willing to literally give his life. Mm-hmm. And what happened in between those two episodes is uh, the transformation of the gospel and seeing the resurrection. And I, I think it's important that we that we continue to. And I know when we say for you know for the gospel or for the good news where I mean, we're talking about Jesus we're talking about relationship with Jesus i think that's really important uh to highlight though is that mm-hmm. you know paul he says in verse 8 indeed i count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing christ jesus my lord so that to me that is high relational language that's I, that is the gospel right it is relationship yeah. with the living God through Jesus. So I think that, so when we talk about what it looks like to f- follow Jesus, it's, it is relationship. It's about know, knowing and being known by Him uh, that when we are giving up the things uh, of this world, essentially, uh, or taking these low positions at the kids' table, like you so eloquently painted that picture, Tucker, of of being servants, of uh, of losing a, a lot of different kinds of things, whether it's comfort or possession or uh, or status, whatever it might be, that none of that even compares to what is gained in walking in relationship with Jesus, growing to know Him better and have the experience of Him knowing me better. Like that, uh, that's the pinnacle, right? That's what we're, wow, what we're going after, in a sense, uh, by the power of His Spirit. So, uh, yeah, this is a good conversation. I think there, well, there's always more to say, right? Um, out of this, I don't know how much time we have left. I've, we've got the counter going, uh, but I'd love to just... Like one one minute. <laughs> one minute for the outro, essentially. Uh, if there's one kind of quick thing that you could think about uh, practically when it comes to this theme of living for an upside down kingdom essentially following the way of Jesus giving something up uh what what's one thing that comes to mind that you've either done or uh that you might encourage our listeners that they could do practically that would that would fit this reality of living into this upside down kingdom yeah i think um 
I think we, we've maybe Ben, you maybe hinted towards it and Tucker, you kind of shared a little bit about this sort of idea of like, Oh, we're in this Christian, Christian bubble. My friends are Christian. Uh, my neighbors that I know are Christian or, um, my kids, well, not my kids, but maybe for the two of you, your kids and their parents are, are Christian, right? Like, um, and yet we've been talking more and more, I think, about some of this missional movement that's even happening within Calvary and this desire to be out on mission in our own lives. And I mean, I think this is a great place where this can start because in some ways the 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 mission part of that and building relationships with non with people who are unchurched or non Christians and that takes a level of sacrifice that mm-hmm. and sometimes it can risk you looking a little foolish as you reach out and and either step into relationship or step deeper into relationship with a neighbor or a coworker or whomever. Um, and I think that's one thing I've been trying to grow in. Uh, me and my wife, Britt, are, are trying to um, trying to do that more with our neighbors, uh, having someone over for, for dinner on, on this Thursday night and willing to, to, to look foolish and, and be open about sharing our faith and just kind of seeing how that goes. Tucker. Um, well, I certainly would echo everything Stephen said that I think that, uh, you know, taking that risk of being a little foolish is, is a really good word of, of befriending and getting to know our neighbors who aren't Jesus followers. One thing may, I might add would be, um, yeah, I think, I feel like we live in a culture that we love, you know, we, you know, people that have uh, a lot of degrees after their name, you know, in their emails or you know whatever it is, that we tend to. I don't know. Maybe we well, we certainly place a lot of value on that, and I think. I think I'm just reminded. Just I mean, people don't. At the end of the day, I mean, mm-hmm. aren't going to care. It doesn't make. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I just get to know. I mean, befriend people, get to know them, and mm-hmm. um, and you know, pray for opportunities to to weave the gospel into to conversations, and yeah, um, and yeah, it doesn't yeah. I don't. I'm rambling at this point. It's but. okay. You, well, you both mentioned you know risk being foolish, and I I think there's an element. Of, some of how I interpret that is you know risk maybe some of, some of what might become awkward, like essentially within conversation. Risk just reaching out, asking people how they're doing. Um, you know, s- send them a card if you know that they've gone through something difficult. Or you know, it's the it. There are these little risks that we take relationally. That maybe that's some of what we're talking about as far as risking looking foolish or getting into a, f- a conversation with folks around faith and them potentially looking at what looking at you and or what you believe as oh that's that's nonsense or that that doesn't really make sense uh or or what have you and realizing that that's part of it you know like this is part of the journey and i love what you say tucker just at the end of the day it really is about befriending people taking those steps inviting people over for dinner and uh, and then being ready to to share about your your relationship with jesus right going back to that that paul passage of just talking about that very real mm-hmm. and uh, and rich knowing Jesus, yeah, and I think that's gonna. I mean, that's the gospel. That's what that's what speaks, and it's the Spirit that's doing the work. 
uh, in that space and in people's hearts. So, hey, thanks for a good conversation today, guys. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, appreciate you joining joining me in this conversation. And I want to thank you, listeners, uh, for being with us uh, today. If you would like more information about Calvary Church, you can visit us at calvarychurch.us. And you can also check us out online or in person on Sunday mornings. We encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. And it also helps if you leave us a review. So until next time, I want to encourage you to live a life of love for God and neighbor.